as a governor, my day-to-day can get messy. And we all know that an unwashed hand can spread germs that cause colds, flus, and the lasting guilt for the death of a major religious figure. So when it comes time to release Barabbas and send Christ to his death on a cross, wash your hands with Pontius Pilate's antibacterial hand soap. Available in cucumber melon, fig, and fresh exonerating yourself citrus. Pontius Pilate antibacterial hand soap. I wash my hands of germs! Find no fault. Hey Ben, was that our sketch, Pontius Pilate Soap, from episode 8, For the Love of All That's Holy? Wash my hands of... Yeah. But why did one of our favorite sketches just play out of note? Wait, I get, this place doesn't look like where we record. What's going on? Where are we? We're not in your apartment anymore. It definitely doesn't look like Brooklyn to me. I mean, I've never been to, like, Flatlands, and I mean, who really knows what Kensington looks like? Well, the most important thing is, we're not off New York Avenue and Pacific Street anymore. The last thing I remember is we're... Trying to record that new sketch using the old microphone with the exposed wires and circuitry, and you swore that you could make it work. And I will make it work. Would it kill you to trust me? Well, and then things kind of blacked out, and we heard one of our sketches play, and now we're in a different recording studio. Ben, we're not alone. Look, someone is sitting directly across this table from us. Thank you for noticing. We successfully tested a playback of one of your top ten sketches. So please put those headphones on and we can start recording your retrospective. Retrospective? Wait, did our our podcast get big enough to be interviewed on someone else's show? Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Do you guys want any water? Of course you don't. Maybe maybe we do. What do you mean, of course we don't? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Wait, what? We're just getting water. Oh, remember the microphone? And when you said, this cord isn't really built for this, but... Yeah, but then you plugged it anyways, and you said, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, God, I'm a writer. Why am I so bad with words? We're on in ten seconds. Not that the passing of time really matters to you anymore. Are you saying... I don't mean to be rude, but are we? You're saying that we're dead, aren't we? On air in three, two, one. This is Fresh Grave. I'm Scary Gross. You're listening to New York Pacific, brought to you by your own free will. Tonight's episode, Journey to the Life's Journey's End, Volume 1 of New York Pacific's Greatest Skits, a selection that are all killer with no filler, just like a faulty microphone. We now rejoin our heroes as they sit down with one of the afterlife's more incisive interviewers. This is A Fresh Grave. I'm Scary Gross. Today I'm interviewing the souls of recently deceased writers of sketch comedy podcast New York Pacific, Mark X. Quinn and Ben Richmond. Well, thank you for having us, Scary. Don't thank her, Mark. We don't want to be dead. As a writing duo, you always kept an eye on your spiritual forebears and the medium in which you were working. That's true. Uh, yeah, we do respect our forebears, but to be clear, we do not want to meet them. Yeah, that's actually much truer. Elaborate on what it is that appealed to you about the medium of radio and its current iteration, podcasting. I don't know. It's cheap. We don't have to do sets. Or costumes. Or a space to perform. Or enough actors to actually do crowd scenes. So you wouldn't characterize yourselves as fans of the form, necessarily. Characterization has never been a strong point. But we definitely like old-timey stuff. Well, like the good old-timey stuff, like quick banter and cartoon characters doing ads for cigarettes. Stuff like that. And superheroes. Oh, yeah. We've been meaning to have more detectives and cowboys, but yeah, superheroes are pretty reliable. I mean, despite how much Hollywood tries to gritify them, they're... absurd. And a lot of those great tropes come around in the old radio era. Yes. 
Why, let's take a trip back to the Golden Age, shall we? En route to sending us back to the shit age to which we're accustomed, I hope. Scary. This is from episode 7. Look upon your own damn works. Oh, wait, you can't. You're mm, dead. That title is not what it used to be, huh? Let's take a listen. Gather round the radio, boys and girls. Do you hear that? Of course not, for silence is the signature style of that secretive super sleuth, The Shade. We pick up from where we left off before our last commercial break. That voluptuous, investigative vixen, Vicky Valentine, who happens to hold the heart of our hero, is perilously held prisoner in the perverted palace of that pernicious PhD, Professor Poison. What will be the fate of our favorite female? What does this maniacal madman have in mind? Who can hear the enmity that lurks in the silence between words? The Shade hears. Oh, you'll never get away with this, Professor Poison. The Shade will stop whatever diabolical scheme you're up to. I wouldn't be too sure of that, Miss Valentine. My polio bomb is set to blow in the capital at midnight. And then whatever plan the Shade has to stop me won't have any legs. (laughs) You're going to infect the whole city with polio? You're insane, Professor Poison. Insane! Flattery will get you nowhere. Well, I'm afraid you're going to get flattened right here because the shade is right behind you. Impossible! I don't hear anyone. Ah! There he is, the so-called taciturn Templar of Truth himself. You're too late to stop my plans this time, Shade. What do you have to say about that? So you remain the strong and quiet type even in the face of danger. Well, let's see if my henchmen, the toxic team, and their tommy guns can get you to talk. can't touch the shade. He can evade them with his silent somersault. Curses! Don't be averred by his agile acrobatics, my associates. Keep firing! Looks like your plan is backfiring against all of his backflips. His legendary gymnastics of justice are truly a sight to behold. But sooner or later, he'll wear out and the day will be mine. Can the Shade's gymnastic prowess save the day? Find out after a word from our sponsors. And cut to commercial. The president of the network, what are you doing here in the audio control room? I rushed here because it sounds like there's a problem with the recording of our Big Pulp Hero show. Namely, our Big Pulp Hero isn't making any sounds. Well, there's nothing wrong with the recording or any of the equipment. You mean he's deliberately not saying anything? Why the hell not? Oh, I can answer that, sir. I should hope my head writer knows what's going on. Well, do you remember when you stormed into the writer's room this morning and uh, demanded that we write, rehearse, record, and broadcast a new pulp radio show in one day to compete with The Shadow for ratings? Yeah? Everyone loves The Shadow. I don't know why all of our listeners are tuning into stories about a guy who turns invisible, but if we didn't come up with something quick, the next thing that's going to disappear is our sponsors. Uh, Well, there wasn't a lot of time for quality control to meet that deadline. We kind of went with the first idea we had, and we figured that the coolest part of the shadow is you can't see him. He's completely invisible. So, you know, maybe it would be cool to have a hero who's, you know, completely silent. He'd be like... 
the perfect spy. A completely silent hero on a radio show? Oh, yeah, such an interesting backstory, though. He studied the silent ways of ninjutsu in the Orient after years of wandering the French countryside with the world's most famous pantomime troupe. Who cares about all of that if there's no way we can communicate it to the listeners? Why didn't you at least include a narrator to tell the audience what's happening? I didn't want to have to spell everything out. I think my writing speaks for itself. Well, it doesn't so far, and neither does the hero who is supposed to save the date and our network. We're, we're coming back from a commercial. Oh, it gets really good in this next part. Yo, why don't we just see how things play out? That's the thing you don't seem to understand about this medium. We can't see anything. Welcome back, listeners, to the conclusion of tonight's episode of The Shade. Shade, be careful. Professor Poison has a trap. Yes, he is more a henchman in hiding. I think ten or so. What is she responding to? Oh, he learned sign language from a... Jesus! Oh my god. The only sign I see is a big one that says... Bankrupt. That's enough out of the doomed damsel in distress. This gag ought to do the trick. Shade, listen, he has a bomb. He... You gagged one of the two speaking characters? You're too late, Shade. The bomb is voice activated. I need only speak the code words and the whole city will be infected with polio. The vocal sequence is venom. Outbreak! Pain! What just happened? Did the sound cut out? No, like I said, the tools are running just fine. Oh, oh, this is just another one of the Shade's powers. He has a lasso of listening that, when wrapped around someone, removes their powers of speech. He got it So all the three main characters are completely silent? The only remaining people capable of speech... Our nameless henchmen? Not for long. The best part is coming up. I don't get it. What What happened? The shade just pole vaulted across the room and turned out the lights. How was anyone supposed to know that? And why would you turn out the lights? Now people can't even describe what they see. Well, the audience should be able to infer that... How? He- How? Where do they get that information to know that? Huh? The only thing we're... Infer is trouble. What the hell is going on now? Oh, those are two more of the Shade's powers. He can see in the dark and punch really fast. So now he's running around the darkness and punching out Professor Poison and his toxic team. Oh, is that what's happening? Because what it sounds like is a group of men who are fucking each other. And the listeners have no context to tell them otherwise. Jesus Christ, how long does this go on? Thank you for removing that gag, Shade. Holy mackerel, you tackled the entire toxic team. Hey, you look like you have something to say. Oh God, finally. But you don't need to. That look in your eyes says it all. God Damn it. It's like they always say, actions speak louder than... 
Oh, great, great. More silence. What happened now? Some kind of noise cancellation ray? Or did they suddenly start practicing silent meditation? Or some other dumb shit? Oh, actually, this isn't in the script. Sorry, this time it's a technical problem. Oh, goddammit. Thus concludes this terrific tribute to the golden age of radio plays. Huh. I guess I don't remember if that sketch is unclear because that's the point, or if it's just sort of unclear because it's unclear. Well, in addition to silent radio character being a hilarious premise, this piece does also poke fun at some of our other longer pieces where we don't use a narrator and hope for the best that what's happening is clear. I don't remember why we decided the narrators were bad, but yeah, you write some of these longer pieces, so I guess it's fitting you'd be the writer on this one. Well, I also love Professor Poison, played by Matt Kerstetter, one of our favorite recurring characters, though I am going to miss Nigel Harsh's angry boss. That's Mark X. Quinn and Ben Richmond talking about their time on the mortal coil before it was tragically cut short by a short-circuiting computer microphone. Okay, so if we're really dead, who are you and what do you want with us? I interviewed the souls of the departed to learn about what they did with their lives and determine what happens to them next. Have you ever uh, determined that someone should go back to being alive? Like Bill and Ted's bogus journey? That has happened. Nice! So we still got a chance. But... Very rare, usually tied to some great deed done in life. Usually I decide on some kind of afterlife based on whether someone was good or evil. You know, we like to think of all of our sketches as great deeds. Yeah, we should be able to go back to life because of our podcast sketches. I mean, we wrote one about the nature of evil. Well, let's go ahead and cut to the clip. The most evil man from episode one, Abandon All Hope. Oh, Thompson... The Bucks are now behind 20 points. Did the Bucks lose, Daddy? Yep. Are they gonna be the worst team ever? Oh, no. Statistically, you'll find there are worse teams. <laughs> They're not very good, either. But can we get ice cream? I can't. I can't see because this man in front of me is too tall. Hey, well, you can't help how tall you are. He's not trying to be too tall. On the contrary, Dad. I know how tall I am. And I knew where my seats were. And I practice perfect posture. It's no accident. Nothing is. I'm the most evil man in the world. And now, it's time to employ my most diabolic scheme yet. Oh, hey, excuse me, man. Uh, just gonna make a snack run. Oh, uh, yeah, no problem. Just let me pick up all my stuff here. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. No, don't worry about it. Oh, pardon me. Well, let me just get out of your way here. Sorry. Oh, I feel so bad. I guess I'll just sit in the middle of a row for you. You can't always pick your seats, right, bud? Can't you? I can. And I did. And I will do so again. Look at you worms. Once you lived in comfort, relaxing as you enjoyed your pathetic bucks, surrounded by your concessions and snacks, all placed within leisurely reach. Now you writhe in agony as this small part of your insignificant existence is thrown in turmoil at my whim. Ah, I guess you're right. I still can't help but feel a little bad. Uh, excuse me. No worries. I'm so sorry. Hey, we've all been there. And now, the crowning piece of my wicked scheme. Uh, uh, 
Oh, almost there. Oh my god, I can't believe it. I left my wallet back at my seat. Oh, uh, I'm I'm really sorry everyone. This is so embarrassing. Are you kidding me, buddy? Oh, man, I'm so sorry. That was stupid of me. You know what? Uh, I'll just go to the bathroom. I don't I don't need to get anything from the concession stand. Oh, no, you don't have to do that. Go get your wallet. Just be more careful next time, you know? Some people are trying to enjoy the game. Perfection. The secret of my success. Great and powerful is my hatred of mankind. And yet equally great and powerful would be their retaliation should I try to express my anger in the full force of its glory. So I have contrived a string of schemes so minute that social norms prevent retribution, and yet so real that I can still take joy in seeing the look of pure agony on my victims' faces. Oh, sorry. No, I'm not. Oh, oh, thanks for being so easily duped. Oh, I, I feel so bad that I can't kill you. Oh, but they'd put me away. And while I would love to put people through the agony of considering that maybe they, as a society, failed me, I discovered that I could do more net evil if I took it slow. Riding the train home. Who's got peanuts? Oh, you bet I do. And I am just dropping these shells everywhere. But who has the nuts to stop me? Oh, I, I hear it too. We all hear it. Ha! Look, she's going to slip. Oh, my! I can see it in their faces. My fellow riders are all thinking of how to bring this up or what an asshole move it is. But they're helpless. In a flash, I'm out the door. My shells ride to the end of the line, Coney Island. It's a busy Friday night for the most evil man in the world. I don't even use public transit all the time. Do I need a car? Nobody needs a car. But it's where I do some of my best work. Oh, oops. Am I okay to park here? Oh, gosh. Okay. Guess not. Oh, sorry. Ah, parallel parking. How long can you block a city street by ineptly backing in at the wrong angles? Turns out, a pretty long time. Ah, uh, jeez. Still not by the curb? Uh, uh, my, my bad. My bad. My evil. <laughs> I made a fortune complicating telephone menus. Press star 6879 for English or Spanish. Marquitos. And now, now I've found the truest seat of micro-evils in my spare time. I DJ. Why was that guy riding around to Coney Island and watching the Milwaukee Bucks? Hey, people are saying the Bucks are supposed to be really good this year. Yeah, right. I hope you packed your coat for hell then. Mark and Ben, you both talk about wanting to return to life. Ooh, yes. Big time. 
But are you certain that's what you really want? Yes, big time. Perhaps I'm not making myself clear. I refer to the dilemma that a company is a life extended indefinitely. It may sound nice to return to the plane of existence. Yes, big time! Gentlemen, I'm going to ask you to concentrate for just a moment. Even if I sent you back now, what happens the next time you perish? Would you just ask to go back again? And then what about the time after that? There won't be a next time or one after that, because we're going to spend a little extra money on a new microphone, Mark. Yeah. Conceivably, there could be causes of death not related to malfunctioning audio hardware. Would it not be a sort of torment to see everyone you love die while your own life is prolonged unnaturally? Look, Scary, we're not asking to never die like Highlanders or Elves or Spider-Man reboots. Nice. Thanks. We just want a few more measly decades to write up some funny sketches, like one in particular that deals with this very issue. We now cut to Freaky Forever from episode four, Don't I Forget About Me. Why are we on the top of this mountain? It looks like it's going to rain. (laughs) All will be made clear in a few moments. Just, uh, here, hold that antenna up. That's right. Very nice. You aren't going to sacrifice me to God, are you, Dad? Terry, no, I'm not gonna. Oh, come on. Phew. Uh, big storm of brewing. Well, what are we doing here? Am I being punished? Is this about the fight we had this morning? Well, Terry, do you remember the fight? When I told you no daughter of mine is going out of the house dressed like... Dressed like a blind dental hygienist to the Kardashians. That's right. And then, do you remember what you said? Go to hell, Dad? Uh, yeah. That. That sounds right. But also, you said that I had no idea what it's like to be a preteen, didn't you? I guess so. You sure did. And so I thought to myself... Ooh, boy. Here we go. Hold that thought, Terry. And also, hold that antenna up. There you go. Look, I don't know what you're trying to teach me, but I think a lot of what we're going through is just a natural part of, you know, me becoming my own person, don't you think? Like, sometimes I'm just in opposition, and sometimes I'm just expressing a healthy sense of self. That might be difficult for you to recognize because, you know, you're used to thinking of me in one way as a child. I'm sure that's not it, Terry. I'm sure I just don't understand what it's like to be a teen. But also, to bring it back to our argument this morning, have you ever actually considered what it's like to be a dad in the 21st century with all the sexing and stuff? Huh? I imagine it must be very difficult. Can we go inside now? Terry, no. No. You could never imagine what it's like to be a dad. That should do it. Do what? Ugh. Oh, man. Dad, that's why we're not supposed to be outside in a rainstorm. Ugh, it never gets any easier. Wait, wait a second, what? But it worked. I can't believe that it worked. What worked? What? What is this? Wait, we don't understand each other. Lightning, becoming Dad? I've been Freaky Friday. And I'm telling you what I told your grandfather and also your half-brother, I guess. This ain't my first rodeo, cowboy. Cowgirl, I'm a girl. You're a man now, an aging man. Enjoy waking up after playing little touch football at a picnic. Christ, 
I'm not going to miss back pain. Oh no, am I too late? Too late for what, Grandpa? I'm afraid so, son. Oh no, my beloved granddaughter. You've become my son. And you, my father, who became my son, you've become my granddaughter. What? You're too late, old man. Too late to save this other old man. The lightning hit us, and I'm Terry now. What? Nope, I'm Terry. No, you're dad. It isn't the first time he's pulled this trick. What do you mean, Grandpa? I mean, when I was your age, he pulled the same shit with me. Ah, Terry, it's been a while since I've grown up as a woman. Ew, Dad, get out of my body. Switch us back. I said the same thing 50 years ago, Terry. If only I could have warned you to never say that your father didn't understand what it was like to be a teenage girl. But how could I? What? It's all part of his diabolical scheme. Her diabolical scheme, son. But it was all too easy. All it takes is a generational difference and some errant electricity or radiation. One time I believe I used getting clonked on the head, but this was much easier. It's how he, and sometimes she, has achieved immortality. I've once had that body, Terry. Now your father, who is also used to be my father in this body, is you. He's extended his life. This is like the worst. Wait until you have to go into the office tomorrow. Dad, switch his back. I'm afraid that lightning isn't going to strike twice. Shows how little you know about becoming an immortal force of malevolence. What did you say? I said you can't begin to understand the dark power that... Wait, no! Grab him, Terry! Okay, Grandpa. Call me Dad. No, call me James. No, call me Jimmy. Your big brother, Jimmy. You got it, Jimmy. See you in hell, James. Now, if you could just get the jumper cables from the car, could you pop the hood, Terry? Where's the jumper cable? It's the one that looks like... No, that's the trunk, damn it. Okay, grab your father's, uh, your, your legs. Daughter, please. Screw you. Screw you, Dad. Looks like you don't know what it's like to have your plans foiled. Now, this is probably going to hurt quite a bit. Tragedy struck at the top of Mount Lightning as an errant attempt to jumpstart a car has killed three people tonight. A teenage girl, her father, and her grandfather. Talking to reporters, the mother, wife, and daughter-in-law of the victim said that no one will ever understand what it feels like to be faced with a triple tragedy. Man, Nigel and Bethany really do a great job of selling that exchange identity thing. And Kevin nails it. We do have to figure out how to recreate a struggle, though. Yeah, no kidding. We kind of poke fun of ourselves and throwing shade from earlier, but it's just not... It's not there. So, the two of you have now lived your life and written all the sketches, culminating in a double microphone execution. I'm curious, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? Well, uh, we would probably make sure that we use properly grounded outlets. Yeah, that's one of my big regrets. So I would really prioritize not being electrocuted. Same here. Apart from that. Uh, we actually addressed this very question in one of our episodes. Ah, uh, yes. Episode 6. I believe, hypothetical call me maybe, or what? A wonderful world. That's a very long title. Well, that was the point. To really get after the roads that diverge in the woods, right from the get-go. Seems like you probably should have picked one and just gone with it. Scary, I'm sorry, did you have some sort of question? Yes. 
What would you have done differently given the opportunity? Right. Oh, yeah. Well, for our podcast, we got specific. Like, what if dolphin smoked pot? How could you smoke something underwater? Or, like, what if Samuel Beckett's groundbreaking work was totally different? A lot of your work is suffused in confusing or inaccurate accents. And that is exactly the case here. All right, let's play the next scene. Wait, 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 don't say the title yet. You'll spoil it. For now, just enjoy. Well, shall we go? Pull on your trousers. What? Pull on your trousers. You want me to pull off my trousers? Okay, ready curtain? Ready blackout? Blackout ready. On the line, yes, let's go. Pull on your trousers. Hmm, true. Well, shall we go? Yes, let's go. Blackout down. Thank you, Blackout. Karen? Yes, Mary, this is Karen. Uh, Sam's coming back there. Just warning you, he looks pissed. I figured he would be. Thanks for the heads up. Sam's coming back here? And the word is he's pissed. Karen? Sam? Beg your pardon, Mr. Beckett. I've, I've got some people waiting for me. Oh, by all means. It's incredibly rude to leave someone waiting, isn't it? Don't you think so, Karen? Yes, I do, Sam. But you know what else is rude? Taking out your Irish anger on someone who doesn't deserve it. Doesn't it? You're the stage manager, aren't you, Karen? It seems like at least some of this is your fault. Under normal circumstances, I would say yes. Oh, well, let me go ahead and disabuse you of something, my friend. These aren't normal circumstances. I would say you're right about that. I mean, here we are, right after the opening of my play. Pretty noteworthy circumstances, yeah? Yes, your play just opened. Aye, oh, unusual play, wasn't it? You'll get no disagreement from me there. I mean, really. It's it's confounding, really. I mean, the lights came up, up the lights went, and then the lights went down, down the lights went. But other than that, something was a bit off. I mean, wouldn't you agree? You cast him, Sam. I objected. I made my objections known, and you said not to worry about it. All right, Karen. I know all that is right, and you're the best damn stage manager in France. But right now, I'm upset, and I'd like to rant a bit longer. So long as you recall just who is at fault. Oh, we know who's at fault. The whole end of the play was ruined. I mean, where was the big party scene? The raunchy burlesque number? I walked through backstage and the go-go Godot dancers were beside themselves. I mean, where was the big payoff? That damn monster! Sammy, baby! Oh, here he is, me manager, to tell me I'm ruined. I'm a ruined man, Karen. Karen, don't listen to him. What a sourpuss. Sam, you're not ruined, baby. Oh, what do you mean? A titular character didn't even show up? Titular character, baby, you delivered on the title. Thank God you didn't end up sticking with Senor Godot's mariachi review. Then you would be in trouble. But no, Sam, you did it. Uh, I mortgaged my future, what did I do? The funny thing is, I don't know. Frankly, if I wasn't your manager, I would have been gone by the second mass exodus. I'd have left by intermission, but these critics, they were smitten. Smitten? Smitten? Like kittens in Louis Vuitton mittens. It's pronounced Vuitton. Aren't we all French? Sam, you hit something. The Godot no-show isn't just so-so, it's killer. A killer? I saw Sart leaving and he looked worse than usual. I mean it. He must know there's a new sheriff in town. The town being philosophical, absurdist, nouveau theater. Oh, but his plays are such hacky schoolboy term papers. Mine was supposed to be fun. That's why there's the big raunchy sex scene at the end. Sam, listen to me. The scene wasn't in the play, and the play's a hit. That scene isn't in the play. It's it, it's a hit. A hit. 
people are going to be talking about this for decades. Mariachi reviews are all well and good, but existential dread? This thing has legs. You know what Sartre's little schoolboy term papers pulled in last year? Being in nothingness? My ass. It's enough to make you nauseous. See? What were you so worried about? Huh. Well, all the same, what happened to our Godot? Yeah. Andre! Thank God you're all right. Where the hell have you been? I got stuck in a wine cellar. Oh, Andre, you giant. You giant goof. Andre, it's it's okay. I know it is. I got to the theater just as everyone started to stream out. I told them that everyone who gives Godot a bad review won't have to wait. He'll get what's coming to him without delay. They looked very frightened. They certainly did. Is that why Sartre looks so terrible? Who could tell? (laughs) (laughs) And blackout. That was Senor Godot's Mariachi Review from Episode 6, Hypothetic Call Me Maybe, or... Right, right, the long title. Oh man, I'm glad Matt could show up to do that Andre the Giant voice. Oh, and fun fact, Kevin's manager character is named Mondeline, although no one says it. Oh, yes. Uh, Moving on, I find your tenacity to return to your sketch comedy podcast and, by extension, life, to be fascinating. Tell me a little more about your creative process that, for lack of a better word, you're dying to go back to. We meet up at Ben's place once a week for a writing session. It's great. We'll catch up, have dinner and drinks, and write up some comedy gold. So we'll start working on a new episode, we'll spend our first couple meetings just spitballing sketch ideas back and forth and see what catches our eye. And once we've got a few ideas that we really like, we'll start to look for some kind of thematic concept that unites them, even if tenuously at times, in order to make the episode feel like a cohesive piece. So then we come up with a couple more sketches that kind of fill it in and play directly to the theme, and then we'll think of the ways that, you know, and connect them all. And usually that'll be, like, kind of a story in the style of radio play. Like episode one, Abandon All Hope, with sketches that deal with the nature of evil that are connected by a narrative of exploring the world of internet trolling as though it were Dante's Inferno. Yeah, Bob Hope plays Virgil. Uh, so, like, we also like to mess with, uh, your, your form, both, like, in the sketches and with how they're all connected. Like, episode six, Hypothetic Call Me Maybe, or What, A Wonderful World? Uh, yes, that title again. Where sketches that deal with alternate realities are actually the musings of two stoner characters who end up being high evolved dolphins from an alternate reality themselves. And then, like, once we have a final product, we just have people come over and, uh, hang out and record it. And then our producer, uh, used to be Nigel, who moved to Chicago. Uh, right now it's Matt, uh, who I met doing improv comedy here in NYC. Check out Crisis and Improvised Comic Book on Facebook. <clears throat> uh, so then our producer, whoever it is, takes it and uses what I assume is computer magic to make it sound good. It seems like a lot of work goes into every episode. Yeah, that's creating and producing your own content for you. We like it, but it does take some elbow grease to make it happen. So, what you're saying is, creativity is enjoyable... But sometimes the process of creation is no circus. Well, scary as we once said in a sketch, sometimes the circus is no circus. From episode three, if you let something go, you'll love it. Hit it! You know, Vlad, sometimes this job isn't... Well, it's just a little dull, isn't it? How do you mean, Rich? Day in, day out, same, isn't it? Well, sure, but stability is nice. Uh, but it really isn't that stable, is it? I mean, we're in one town for a bit, then next thing you know, we're packing up everything and moving on. It's unconventional, but isn't it still the dream? Not for me. 
I've got a dream of, of running away. Bitch? Leaving all these clowns behind. Move it! Oh, excuse us, Nikolai. <sighs> I'm just sick of this shit. Well, the shit is unpleasant. It's very unpleasant. But what we have here is a big tent. It welcomes all kinds. It is a big tent. Big tent. Fuck this tent. Easy, Rich. Ah, uh, We're treated lower than freaks in a freak show. Freaks have a union. All right, freaks. Break time. Face it, lad. Our lives are dull and full of toil. Everyone treats us like elephant shit. Especially the elephants. And we're the ones picking up their shit. So you'd think they'd be a Lazy more... gentlemen. Boys chatting like squirrels. Hello, Hello Ringmaster. Ringmaster. Um, how long are you anticipating until the um, big top is up? It shouldn't be too long. Rich, your tent strings are a bit loose, I've noticed. Um, uh, what would you think about just ooh, cinching those up a bit? You're the boss. Oh, what a dick. No kidding. You know, lately I've been having this dream where I leave it all behind. Leave the whole life of the circus behind and get a job at a tax preparation firm. You'd be a fool to give up a steady income at the circus for such a, a foolish dream. Would I? Even if the circus is great, and I think that point is debatable, being at the bottom of any totem pole sucks. Richard! Yes, Esther? Richard, my name is Esther. Now, once you get the tent up... Yes, I'll get your trapeze up next. Esther. Esther. The aerialist and I must keep in practice to miss... What we set out to catch can prove to be fit, you see. That's why I never miss what I set out to... <sighs> to catch. You see, Richard? I understand, Esther. I Esther. I mean, at a tax preparation firm, the number of predatory trapeze artists has got to be lower, right? That's just a given. I had a cousin who told me that wasn't so, but he said there was at least an HR department you could report them to. That's good enough for me. Although, what can human resources do for me and what the elephants think is okay? Man, we really should have written you more Eastern European characters. Vlad is delightful. Yeah, and we definitely should have written fewer French characters for everyone. And British ones. Yeah, well, the, so this is kind of a fun sketch because it has like this first half and there's like a second half switcheroo coming up. Yeah, that was so cool. God, you gotta send us back, Scary. We want to write more fun stuff with more Eastern European characters. If you're just now joining us, that was Mark X. Quinn and Ben Richmond, the writing team for sketch comedy podcast New York Pacific, talking about wants and desires. Life is dominated by wants, the want to own more, the to do more... To make more podcasts. You gotta send us back. But wanting can bring with it feelings of anxiety, insecurity, and pain. Death liberates people from unruly passions that hurt and vex us. Oh, the unruly passions that hurt and vex us? Where would we be without our unruly passions that hurt and vex us? Come on. You just heard Ben Richmond, the other half of New York Pacific's writing team. Ben, do you posit that these positive feelings outweigh the negative? Oh. No, not at all. But, you know, life is the contrast between the light and the dark aspects. I believe the word you're looking for is chiaroscuro. 
I will take your word for it. Let's give it a listen and see if the sketch Comcasting Call from Episode 2, Labor's Love Lost, matches the profundity of Ben's statement. Thank you for calling Comcast. Are you interested in upgrading your service? What? No, I'm calling about a charge on my bill that I didn't... Oh, not calling about a service upgrade? Uh, please hold. I hope you're writing all this down, Rookie. Uh, you put that person on hold five seconds after you answered their call? Right, right, right. So now they're going to be nice and irritated when I pick up in a couple minutes. The stage is set. Uh, you're intentionally angering them? It isn't our job to provide efficient service to our customers? Well, we provide a service, yes, but it's far from what you might call efficient. In, in spite of how automated everything has become, people still want that. They want to know that there's another human being when they call support lines. Do you, and you know why? They want someone to empathize with their problem. See, that's what we thought too at first, but empathy is one of many emotions that a person can feel, and we aim to deliver experience that runs the gamut. An experience with another person can't just be another touch-and-go matter, you know? We aim to pr provide some drama, some, some twists, some, some turns, some strum and drong, you know? Watch and learn. <clears throat> Hello, thank you for your patience. How can I help you? I already told you there's a charge on my bill that I didn't agree to. Ooh, sorry to hear that. Let me transfer you to billing. Uh, how do we transfer to the billing department? Oh, no, no, we don't do that. Uh, just you're watching, learn from the master. You can learn a thing or two from me and my Jimmy Stewart impression. Wait, what? Oh, uh, hello there. You reached the billing department. Uh, what can I do for you, old sport? There's a charge on my cable bill for HBO, and I, I don't, I don't have HBO. Oh, that, that, that's that, that, that's terrible. That's terrible. Well, well, let's pull up your account here. Your phone number. Oh, I can't see HBO anywhere for the life of me. So. Can you reverse the charges? Uh, well, I'd love to help you out of this jam. The problems with the premium service like HBO have to be transferred to one of the, one of the big guys in the account specialist department. Uh, just please hold. Hey, we don't have an account specialist department. Well, sure, but, you know, you need the changes in scenery to keep the action lively. You need a full cast of characters, <clears throat> like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <clears throat> You've reached the account specialist department. How may I help? I've received a charge on my last month's bill for HBO... But I don't have HBO. At first, I was transferred to the billing department, and then they- Oh, you're looking for billing department? Please hold. No, no, I just spoke with them, and they tra- You're not transferring them anywhere. You're just changing your voice. This is the rising action. Dude, you haven't seen anything yet. <clears throat> oh, hello there. You reached the billing department. I just spoke with you, and you transferred me to an account specialist. Oh, you're looking for an account specialist? I'll transfer you right over. Wait, I- You've reached the account specialist department. I'm at help. I was just speaking with you. Your company has a real problem with customer service. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I will transfer you to our customer service department. No, no I want... Hey, you reached the customer service department. What can I do for you today? You can start by telling whoever your supervisor is that I'm... Very Ooh, you want to talk to a supervisor? You got it. Why is this so difficult? Greetings. You've reached a supervisor. How may we be of assistance to you? I've been reconnected to. I don't know how many departments trying to resolve this issue. Last month, I was charged for a service that I didn't use, and I want to be refunded. Oh, my. You have our apologies. We shall exercise our power as supervisor to rectify the situation. Please hold. You've impersonated Jimmy Stewart, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bob Dylan, and now the Queen of England? Are you ever going to help this person? Whoa, 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 whoa. Help this person? Rookie, you're missing the point. The pathos, the highs, the lows, the tension, the release. And now, just as this caller's hopes are up, there's a dramatic twist. 
Hi there, welcome to Comcast. How can I be of a help to you today? I was just talking to a supervisor about an erroneous charge on my bill. Ooh, sorry, buckaroo. I don't know anything about a supervisor. Can't you just pull up my record from my phone number? No can do, friend. I can transfer you to billing if you'd like. No, no, no. I cannot take it anymore. I can. I have been transferred over and over again, sometimes to the same person who treats me like he's never heard of me before, like a complete stranger. Do you have any idea what that feels like? I've been falsely charged, don't you understand? And now, as, as I try to stand up for myself and for my very rights, this company puts me through hell and back. You can't do this to me. I'm a, I'm a human being, goddammit. I'm a human being! We're terribly sorry to hear about that, darling. The lines were accidentally crossed. We're pleased to announce the erroneous charge has been removed. Really? Do you do you really mean that? I mean, I mean, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I don't understand. You put that person through so much stress. What I put him through, friend, was a a hero's journey of sorts, a a buildings Roman, if you will. Like I said, human interaction is a beautiful thing. Comcast aims to provide its customers with the the full scope of emotions that come with it. That's kind of inspiring, actually. You, uh, you think you're ready to take your first call there, Rook? You know what? Yes, I am. Hello, and thank you for calling the Comcast. My wife. Ah, truly inspirational. You can really hear that cold I had in there, huh? Hey, the only thing I was sick about that sketch was your impressions. I mean, if we could get away with Jimmy Stewart in every episode, we probably would just have him star, wouldn't we? Big time. Fun fact... Check out episode 6 for Matt Kerstetter's take on Jimmy Stewart. I believe it was Orson Welles who postulated that the difference between whether a story is a comedy or tragedy is when the author chooses to stop telling the story. Oh, that's an impression we would love to put in a sketch, but one which we have yet to master. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire. No, yeah, Mark's right. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire. Ah, damn it, nope. I guess we need to, like, one up. Scary, do you have any scotch? No. Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try and... Yeah. Yeah, maybe if you start with the brain... Same thing we do every... Yeah, no, it is. It's jowlier. You opted in favor of a comedy podcast in order to address some big questions. Like the dolphin one? Or literally any of the other ones. But why comedy? What made that the chosen vehicle? You know, it's kind of funny. Is that it? Uh, that's one of the major differences. There was a sketch I wrote that dealt with this very divide back in episode three. Oh yeah, it featured some of Nigel's finest acting choices. It was in tragic comedy, which began on a dark and stormy night. Two Shakespearean troops, both alike in dignity, in Verona, New Jersey, where we lay our scene. From ancient grudge breaks to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands. Only the smiths understand our pain, Nicholas. The pain of knowing that Shakespeare's tragedies are his greatest works. But living in a world of insufferable fools who prefer his comedies. Eli, the only pain I feel now is heartache. I cannot spare a single anguished thought. 
on the rivalry between the tragedy and comedy troops. Like a true tragedian, you must take this matter seriously. Both troops compete to be selected to produce a show at the Verona Community Theater every season, and there is only room in the budget for one classic. We must let nothing stop us. The engine. This is dead as old Hamlet. Oh, what cruel misfortune. We find ourselves outside a house party, hosted by those clowns from the comedy troupe. I can smell the stench of revelry from here. Triple uh, A is held up in this tempest and cannot arrive to help us for another hour. Oh, horror! 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 Perhaps we should seek refuge from the storm, even if from inside that banal bacchanal. Tis a masquerade, and we have theater masks in the trunk. Just for the hour, while we await auto-mechanic assistance, let us stay warm. So shall we do. But let us hope this does not end in tragedy. Or should we? Oh, for a muse that would ascend the brightest heaven of invention. A house party for a stage, or a stage at all, I guess. Can this podcast hold the vast halls of a house? Or may we cram within this recorded track the very hands that did get thrust into the air like they just didn't care? If music be the food of love, play on! And if you guys love Shakespeare's comedies more than his tragedies, party on! (laughs) Here, Maggie, take a shot. No thanks, Lauren. I I really hope that this fundraiser goes well, but... But even more than that, I'd really just like to meet a nice guy at this party. (laughs) Oh, Maggie, like a true comedian, you need to lighten up a bit. You're starting to sound like one of those dull tragedians. What's their deal, anyway? When was the last time something ominous happened to you in real life? Hello. We are here for the party. Well, don't just stand there in the rain. You're wearing masks, so you're clearly here for the party. It's $10 a cover, but it gets you unlimited drinks, and all proceeds go towards the production of All's Well It Ends Well. Oh, but what if not everything ends well? Could that mean that there may be something rotten in this state? <laughs> that sounds like someone who doesn't like comedy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tragedy, comedy? You know, what about Shakespeare's sonnets, huh? How do I love them? Well, let me count the ways. Shut up, Ethan, Ethan! Seriously, Ethan. This is your last warning. Stop reciting Shakespeare's sonnets, or we are seriously kicking you out. Fine. I shall content myself to a session of sweet, silent thought. Do not tempt me, Ethan. Uh, my friend was just joking earlier, because that's what comedians like, right? No deep thoughts, just jokes. Especially about dicks. I could cover both of us. Alright, butter's over there. Pick your poison. Here's $20. I sell the poison. Thou hast sold me none. Warren, can I talk to you in the corner here for a minute? Warren, I think those guys might be tragedians, but the one guy is totally cute and I think he's probably into me. Two lovers who aren't meant to be together? 
That's the perfect setup for a comedy! Eli, perhaps I am affected by some witch's curse, but I cannot help but feel attracted to that woman in the corner. And unless I am misinterpreting the signs, she feels the same way about me. Two lovers who aren't meant to be together? That's the perfect setup for a tragedy! <laughs> I'll be the Narissa to Maggie's Portia and a wing woman for her to get laid. <laughs> I shall be the Iago to Nicholas's Othello, manipulating his affections to my will. What are we waiting for? Let's introduce the two of you. If I profane with my unworthiest hand this holy shrine, the gentle fine is this. My lips, two blushing pilgrims, ready stand to smooth that rough touch with a tender kiss. Good pilgrim, you do wrong your hand too much, which mannerly devotion shows in this. For saints have hands that pilgrims' hands do touch, and palm to palm is holy palmer's kiss. Have not saints' lips and holy palmer's too? I pilgrim, lips that they must use in prayer. Oh then, dear saint, let lips do what hands do. They pray. Grant thou, lest faith turn to despair. Saints do not move, though grant for prayer's sake. Then move not, while my prayer's effect I take. Hey, wait, whoa, 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 did I just hear a sonnet? Shut up, Elizabethan Ethan. Excellent! Now that they're in love, it's time to bring everything together. Maggie, Maggie, come here for a second. Excellent. Now that they are in love, it's time to tear everything apart. Uh, Nicholas, may I see you for a moment? What is it, Eli? Are you sure that woman returns your affections? I saw her flirting with the one they call Elizabethan Ethan. No, that would drive me mad. Mad enough to kill? Maggie, he's talking. Totally into you. That brooding look in his eyes just drives me mad. <laughs> mad enough to fuck? Maggie! What's the deal between you and Elizabethan Ethan? Oh, Elizabethan Ethan? He's just an old friend. To me, fair friend, you could never be old. For as you were when first I eyed your eye. Oh, yeah? Well, here's an eye for an eye. Ow! Ha! Uncontrolled passion leads to disastrous consequences. Oh, why should nature build so foul a den, unless the gods delight in tragedies? I knew it. I knew you guys were tragedians. Whew! It is a good thing I was carrying all these packets of stage blood. <laughs> ha! A reversal of death. Life's a comedy. The man I love doesn't trust me. Quick, I need some poison. Lovers scorn and suicide. It's a tragedy after all. Play on words. It's a comedy. <laughs> Tortured spirits from beyond. A tragedy. Hey guys, we're from the local horror movie appreciation troupe. Great costume party. Ha! Mistaken identity. Totally a comedy. That's enough! <gasps> that man who took off his mask is... It's the director of the community playhouse. Yes, I attended this masquerade, dressed as though I were a member of the common rabble. 
thinking it would help me decide which genre of Shakespeare play we should produce this season. Have you been moved to tears by the pain that has played out before you? Have you chosen a tragedy? <laughs> or have you been moved to laughter by the mishaps and mirth? Is it going to be a comedy, is it? In the course of the night, I've been moved to tears. Astounding. As well as laughter. Ha! In your face. And I realize that life cannot be reduced to a simple single emotion, but it is a complex arrangement of many feelings with no definite answer. And so I choose Measure for Measure, a problem play. If these voices have offended, think but this and all is mended, that you have but napped away while this recording began to play. And this whimsy audio stream, no more yielding than a dream. I don't know why, I just love writing those longer pieces. I wonder if that makes sense if you didn't, you know, personally write them. I hope so. But there's still so much that's good, even if it's tough to follow at times. The music, the Shakespeare references, the plot twist at the end, the strong character choices. What about Elizabethan Ethan? It's truly a name among names. You're listening to Fresh Grave with Scary Gross. And with me is New York Pacific writing duo Mark X. Gwynn and Ben Richmond, who are making a plea to return back to the world of the living and are finding it to be challenging. Can you speak to some of your obstacles you encountered in life and how you overcame them? Uh, well, we were electrocuted by that microphone, which killed us. Yeah, that was a low point. Uh, other than that, scheduling can be very tricky at times. You know, once we've finished writing the episode, it can be weeks before we can get everyone together. That, that's tough. Yeah, we also operate on no budget. We use the cheapest possible hosting service after we exceeded the storage limit of our free SoundCloud account. And we also save money by recording at Ben's place instead of a formal studio. Uh, yeah, on that note, we're also really lucky to have amazing producers. Nigel Harsh on the first several episodes, and now Matt Kerstetter, who have been editing free of charge. In fact, we're grateful for all of the New York Pacific players who give their voices to the silly project. Are there any other obstacles you've had to overcome? Well, there was the time after we recorded our full-length cinematic radio play parody, The Will of the West. Oh, boy. And that recording session took like six hours after bringing everyone together. All for it to fall prey to an accidentally formatted hard drive without being backed up. That was probably our uh, second worst experience of hardware failure after the, the fatal one. I don't know. I think losing that episode might be the worst hardware failure. I have to ask, Why? What keeps you going back to this project that has met with so many hurdles? More broadly, why return to a world beset by war, climate change, well, let and... me start by answering that first part, Scary. It's really more of a labor of love. Not to be confused with episode two, Labor's Love Lost. And that, like, we like making the episodes with our friends. The process is just, you know, it might even be more important than the product. Though we're also very happy with how the product comes out. All right. What about my second question about returning to a world mired in global conflict? Well, I think that this next sketch perfectly illustrates how contentment can be found in work that other people might not find desirable. We present Beat 2 of The Circus is No Circus, also from Episode 3. If you let something go, you'll love it. Uh, hi. It's my first day? Rich! Of course! Welcome aboard! Welcome aboard! Okay. Message Jackson H. Preparations. Rich has arrived. Rich has arrived. Oh, no. Rich has arrived. 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 Rich has arrived.
Richard. It's great to have you aboard. I'm Mrs. Templedown. You might call me the ringleader of our three ring circus. Uh, can we not? <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Oh, Richard, you're going to fit right in around here. Hello, Richard. Uh-oh, Maurice. Hello, Maurice. Do you have any staplers? Oh, Mrs. T, you mean like these three? <laughs> wow, look at that. Maurice juggles. My world. Ouch. Oh, Maurice, you're a delight. Miss T, we have a conference call with the board of the museum, and they are not pleased. Oh, heavens! Ladies and gentlemen, the board of the museum is one of our most dangerous clients. We will need absolute silence as our most gifted account manager, Sharon, steps in to a conference call with them. Yes, this is Sharon. Oh, hello, Mr. Finkelberg. How are you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I am so sorry to hear that. <gasps> well, I'm sure... Uh-huh. Well, we can only hope the warm weather will help that, can't we? Uh-huh. Oh, oh, I'm sure... And twice around any holidays, right? Incredible! <laughs> Guys... Seriously. Mrs. Templedown, I can't believe what I'm saying. An office job just seems too good to be true. I'm just afraid I could lose it all if I have to call in sick or anything. Afraid to call in sick? Perish the thought. It's time I introduce you to Tom of Human Resources, or as we call it, Super Human Resources. Hello, hello! Do you have any pre-existing medical conditions that might otherwise prevent you from obtaining health insurance? Actually, yes. I strained my back really bad putting up tent poles. <laughs> and voila! Now they're gone! And in a flash of an eye, you have health, dental, are, vision... Are you pulling all of this out of your pocket? 401k and rolling vacation days! Tom and his superhuman resources, ladies and gentlemen! <laughs> If you can brave the elements, endure what no ordinary man can endure, and can look fear right in the eye. I can. Mrs. Templedown, I believe I can. And one day, you might find yourself center stage in middle management. Me? In middle management? The dream come true. Dream come true. Dream come true. Yeah, beat two! We put space between the two parts of this sketch in episode three, and we're doing it again now. Another ill-advised French accent. But still, how are you not going to have a French juggling clown? I mean, we couldn't have a mime. But we could have the shade. It's a truism that every mildly funny white guy in Brooklyn has a podcast. Mildly funny? Uh, I actually live in Astoria. But you're insisting that you're the ones who need to continue this work. I mean, we're the ones who have the passwords for like the website and stuff that's true but also isn't there something to be said for wanting to write your own story for using your own words oh man doesn't nigel still have the passwords for everything uh ben let's be honest nigel's pretty busy i guess that's true so i mean the end of us would be the end of this podcast and 
Scary, would you cancel us just because no one would miss us? That's pretty cold. You know, I'm reminded of one of our more somber sketches from Episode 7, Look Upon Your Own Damn Work, So Wait, You Can't, You're Dead. All in service of a dumbass joke? Uh, well, I am thinking of that one now. Uh, but the one I originally referred to was called Rumpelstilted. Oh, yes, which addresses how happily ever afters so rarely are. Not for everyone, anyway. Hey, pal! Having a good night? Oh, glad to hear it. Oh, me? <laughs> yeah, I'm having a good night. I'm always having a good night. <laughs> I guess you might say I'm touched. I've been able to spin the worst shit they can throw at you into gold. Here, let me get you a drink. I'll tell you about it. Barky! A couple of meads for me and, uh, me and my friend over here. Well, a couple of years back, quite a few at this point, I guess... I happen to go speak to the king. Yeah, that's right. The big man himself. The throne sitter extraordinaire. And I... Oh, here's the mead. You like mead, right? Sure you do. We all like mead. Anyway, where was I? Mm. Oh, yeah, the king. So we're chatting, and I just... I don't even know where this comes from. I mentioned out of my hand that my daughter can spin straw into gold. What? I don't even know what got into me. I just sometimes used to, well, bullshit, I guess. But that's the God's honest truth. Well, you can imagine how interesting the king found this little factoid to be. I mean, the man's rich. How was I supposed to know he was going to be so interested in this? And frankly, between the two of us, if he's so smart, he should have figured out I was full of shit. Because <laughs> if I got a daughter who's been straw into gold, oh, what am I doing still being a miller? <laughs> doing it for fun? <laughs> Man's got a crown between you and me and the inn floor here. That's about all that's up there. Oh, I'm bad. Anyway... So the king won't let this go. He really fixates on the idea of my daughter. My daughter turning straw into gold. And I keep telling him that I've got a son who can multiply any two numbers. A goat that can play the harp. Oh yeah. And a horse that makes love more capably than I. It's the, the straw to gold thing. One track mine. Sorry. And he's our kid. Yeah, so... So he goes and takes her, just straight up takes my daughter to his castle. Real wacky stuff, if you ask me. Oh, oh, yeah, I don't know. I guess she did it. Yeah, the, the details, they ain't so uh, clear to me either. But the king was gonna and cut off a damn head if she did it. Oh, and she still got a head, so... I'm just so glad that my position as queen affords me the finest therapy that gold can buy. I, I can trace back the anxiety attacks to one day, in fact. The king, my now husband, came to my house and took me to the palace. I, I know probably that when most women talk about seeing their husband for the first time, it's a positive experience. But for me, that day was pretty much the second worst day of my life. Well... Top five, anyway. I, I know it sounds crazy, but the king took me to the palace, and he told me... He told me to spin straw into gold. Where does he even get an idea that that's even possible? Straw is a grass. 
gold is a mineral that you have to mine. I mean, even a cursory knowledge of the elements involved. And the worst part is that this man, who I eventually wed, tells me that unless I do something, something that, let's be clear, is impossible, he's, he's going to kill me. Now, I live with this man, and he otherwise seems so stable, especially for someone as inbred as a member of a royal bloodline, must me. But I've never been able to shake that, at a certain point in the past, he seems to have lost his damn mind. And I'm worried that, at some point, he's, he's just going to demand something else insane and impossible, and there won't happen to be someone who can defy the known laws of the universe for him, and that will be it for me. What? Oh, yeah, well, to hear her tell it, someone else actually did the work for her. So I guess my luck really runs in the family. Don't ask me how he does it. He's probably just swapping out the straw for something else, or else he's turning it into some straw-based facsimile of a precious metal. But even that strikes me as... Anyway, he did the spinning. However he did it, he saved my life. But, and this leads to the worst day of my life. I don't know, uh, some guy did it. I forget his name. He did all the spinning. So, my daughter's pretty lucky, like I say. She really, uh, gets it from me. It was a nightmare. Every night, I feared for my life. Each night, the little man returned. I started by giving him my necklace, and then my ring, and then that was the only way I was sure he was real, because they were gone. For God's sake, the little man, he spins straw in the gold. That's his thing. I don't know what he charges, but he, like, uh, he did it for, like, three more nights. But the third night, he demanded my firstborn child. Of course, at the moment, I was just shaking with terror, knowing that by the next morning, I was going to be killed, and I wasn't married, and I wasn't engaged, and I certainly wasn't pregnant. So I offered up something that wasn't real to stave off a very real threat of death. God forgive me, death seemed real, life didn't. Oh, that's the best part! So the king thinks she can spin straw into gold, and instead of decapitating my daughter, ah, he marries her! So you can see why I'm so hard on the king, he's my son-in-law! And just as I'm trying to forget the circumstances that got me into the palace and got me with a child and a man that... I... I know this sounds crazy... But that one incident notwithstanding, the king is a good man. And and he's a man that I love. When sure enough, the little man comes back. Yeah, that little straw spinner man swung by to see him. Oh, love that kid too. Just a, a real cute kid. And if it weren't for a very clever servant of mine who happened upon the little man performing some sort of satanic ritual and singing, literally singing, about, about taking my only child, well, he'd have him. Although telling the little man his own name, hearing his own name led him to tear himself in two. Tear himself in two. That was the final... God, I can't even say the word straw without my hand shaking. Look at them. Can you help me, doctor? Yep. Everything worked out for the best there. Huh. What the hell that little straw spinner's doing? What's his name, anyway? Man, I actually think that Melanie kind of plays that a little too straight. It actually sort of bums me out. Yeah, but then Matt's belligerent dad creates a nice contrast to make this one of our more unique pieces and a really enjoyable listening experience. Plus, that RPG tavern music. Yeah, someone in that scene is definitely, like, getting a side quest. 
I, I guess it is our chance, you know, it was when we branched out from being just ha-ha funny, or trying to be anyway. I mean, that's got to give us some more life, right, Scary? Look, the fact is, Scary, we have some unfinished business, okay, and before you say anything, I know how that sounds. That's something you hear a lot from those who wander the earth discontentedly. It's certainly something that I said as I wandered the earth discontentedly. Right. So, anyway, how about this? Let's say we're allowed to go back. I'm not saying that. Do we have to go back as ghosts? Wouldn't that be a deal breaker? Uh, you know, I'm really not looking to get into anything eternal at the moment. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems incredibly boring. Unfinished business among the dead always carries baggage with it. Huh. I guess you can take it with you. Huh. If you can take baggage into the afterlife, it's better than Spirit Airlines. <laughs> oh man, if you were alive, that would have killed. This isn't making a great case for why you should get a second chance at life. Well, scary. Let us tell you about another group of go-getters that wouldn't stay in the ground and now wanders the earth. This is from Episode 5, Tales of Expected Horror. Baby Boomer Nostalgia wouldn't stay dead, and now it lurks, Nick at night. Well, listen to a story about a man named Jed, poor mountaineer who became undead. Said Transylvania is the place he ought to be. So they loaded up the coffin and they moved to Romania. Romania, that is. Sucking blood, not seeing themselves in mirrors. Transylvanian Hillbillies is filmed before a live studio audience. Well, now... Count Cartwright, you come right in. I hoped you would ask. Well, you know how it is. It's mirror image of my own life. What would we know about that? Now, what can I do for you this fine full moon night, Count? Well, Jed, it's Ellie May. Ah, uh, you fix your eyes on sweet Ellie May? Let me guess, you're driving you batty. Something like that, Count Clampett. She keeps sucking blood out of my groundskeepers. Now my lawn is getting long as my teeth. What's that you say, Count? Speaking of long in the tooth, how are you, Granny? Oh, quiet it down, Count Clampett. We're all hundreds of years old, but that doesn't mean you can disrespect your elders. Well, I reckon that's so. The Count here just stopped by to tell us that apparently young Allie May has been having her way with the groundskeepers. Lucky for them, Allie May always could get the blood pumping. Only now it's pumping into her mouth. Well, it was back then, too. Granny, blood! It was one euphemism too far. The Transylvanian hillbillies was thrown off the air due to its racy nature. This double entendre superseded the legacy of the classic episodes that had held America in a thrall in 1962. And by 1963, no one was interested in talking about the episode where Count Jethro wants to become a magician after sucking the blood of Marvo the Magnificent. Nor were they interested in discussing the episode where Granny's love potion causes Count Drysdale to fall in love with guest star Julie Newmar, whose blood was then memorably sucked. It was a dark time in American entertainment, which would have lasted forever if the sexual revolution of late 1963 hadn't opened the door to American television's expansion into subjects once thought too prurient for primetime. The retooled version of Transylvanian Hillbillies came back to the airwaves in 1965, it was much more explicit than its predecessor, and more explicit than anything American audiences had ever seen. 
In the opening scene of the crossover episode, Jethro is seen feasting on the remains of Petticoat Junction's Kate. Earl Scruggs guest starred as Van Helsing. Now, Count Jethro, you've done feasted on every one of them beautiful Cooterville girls, and I'll be damned if oh, you... I'm afraid that's a done deal, Pa! <laughs> Horror sitcoms would have been the next big thing. Were the Beatles not, at that same moment, appearing on The Ed Sullivan Show, leading the network to cancel the program for good in favor of the monkeys? Who knows what we've lost from this fertile ground? It's Cthulhu and Andy! Andy, this new get-rich-quick plan of yours is clearly a pyramid scheme. I thought you liked pyramids! My followers constructed ziggurats! Zigga-what?! Transylvanian Hillbillies features some of our best music work. If you like it, check out Rat Ship from Episode 1, a version of Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better, sung between John Henry and a robot in Episode 2, and a spoof of the Popeye theme later in Episode 5. From what I've learned, Ben, Mark, regret and unfilled potential are, sadly, seemingly an essential feature of life. Mozart had more music to write when he died. Picasso had more art to make. Amelia Earhart still had at least one more place she wanted to land. Grim. But scary, if we don't write our sketches, who will? That's the tragedy that I'm talking about. Although, in this case, tragedy is probably a little too strong of a word. Ouch, scary. Ouch. But what about the great white whales of our sketches? Ooh, man, that's actually a pretty good idea. Huh. Yeah, I like that one. But, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the, the Jean Valjean sketch, where every small transgression results in an entire soul-searching song. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Or the man who is haunted by his mail. Yeah, how's that one go again? It, uh, it needs some flushing out. Oh, or the Knight's Tumblr. Oh, the Knight's Tumblr. The Knight's Tumblr. See, Scary likes it. Okay, so initially, it was about a secret society of knights who, you know, needed to explore a new means of reaching converts, including, but not limited to, Tumblr. Yeah, but we've, unfortunately we've held on to the idea for song that Tumblr is kind of falling out of fashion, so I guess now they're going to be a secret society of knights that are still using Tumblr, maybe? I mean, I... It, I, I don't... It, it's just that I met some of these knights Templar, and they could certainly stand to be taken down a peg or two. And do you want to miss out on that, Scary? I mean, we're the only ones with the chutzpah and also lack of better things to do who can do it. I really should They could have terrible screen names. Lots of 420s and 69s? Nice, nice. Ha! Scary gets it! Yeah, she does. So can we live just this once? Well, I was going to send you to Paradise Sex Pete's Island for eternity, but... Knights of Tumblr. Uh, wait, I'm sorry? Wait, let's, let's not get hasty here, Scary. No, no, back. Go back to life. It's wintertime now, and your rents are going up. Enjoy! Oh, uh, hang on. Scary, if we could just, uh... Scary, I don't think that we... They're going to be just fine. See, nurse? I told you I could get these old defibrillators to work. Would it kill you to trust me? This season's New York Pacific featured Jessica Coyle, Julie Krylin, Mark X. Gwynn, Nigel Harsh, Matt Kerstetter, Christine Konovnik, Melanie Milton, Ben Richmond, Kevin Tully, and Bethany Weiss. 
New York Pacific is written by Mark X. Quinn and Ben Richmond, and this evening's episode was produced by Matt Kerstetter and Nigel Harsh. For more from New York Pacific, check out newyorkpacific.podbean.com or subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Until then, we'll see you next time. You won't see us. Thank you.